Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 11 o'clock. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you on your Thursday morning. You know, I didn't think to ask Wes this uh, at the beginning of the last hour, but were you guys actually able to get some sleep last night? I know you were burning the midnight oil the the night before. Chris looked pretty exhausted when he came in here yesterday morning. Wasn't shaved, <laughs> any of that stuff. Wow, you, shots you look, fired. You look a lot more refreshed you. this morning, Chris. Do I, I think I look even worse, but uh, yeah, I slept fine, actually. I actually got a lot of sleep last night, trying to catch up a little bit. Thank you for asking. Tyler just busted out that you look tired. Yesterday, well, he, said I look he, better yesterday today. he looked tired, he which looked is tired. understandable. Uh, I hey, get man, it. you tired? What I I I usually am, uh, just to be fair, <laughs> especially this time of year. Yes, not as tired as some of these coaches around the country. Um, I I've, I thoroughly enjoyed going through various press conferences, seeing clips and stuff like that. Some of these guys you can tell haven't slept in at least a week. It seems like um, the Ryan Day clip really stuck out to me, where he had one of the guys uh, he learned committed in the middle of like giving an answer in a press conference and you saw the relief come off of his shoulders like in that moment stressful job a short-lived relief though because then the kid didn't send in his letter of intent until yeah last night so it's always something yeah <laughs> that was a funny reaction but then he had to wait hours and hours so it, I, I you know th- there's no way that beard stays black naturally he has to use some kind of like just for men, right? Because the stress level of being a coach in general, but especially at Ohio State, dealing with that kind of stuff, like there's got to be some gray under there somewhere. Oh, yeah. 
That's a good point because that thing is that is, is a dark jet black jet black. Yeah. I mean, they, you actually may have went a little too far with it. Well, it gets to the point where, like, I think when you reach a certain age, it just starts to look weird because, like, you naturally anticipate, like, all right, you're going to get gray at some point, right? Yeah. But you just keep rolling with it until, I don't know, until it just becomes too much, I guess. He had to add some extra after last night, probably. Color it in with a Sharpie. <laughs> hey, how about, how about Tyler's Georgia Bulldogs pulling off some K.J. Bolden? Mm-hmm. The Buford curse, man. It finally broke. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Is it broken? I don't know if it's or broken. Or does he have to complete his career? It, it there? was. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I guess there's always the option that he could transfer at some point. But um, yeah, a lot of people were were happy to see that curse to some degree finally be broken yesterday. Man, that one, from what I briefly heard, was wild behind the scenes. Uh, Florida <laughs> State obviously had him committed for a while. Auburn. Was going all in, so oh. to speak. We'll, we'll get to Hugh Freeze here in a little bit. He had some things to say about that. But, uh, yeah, wild wild kind of 11th hour movement there, which, I mean, that's, you know, one of the premier programs in the state when it comes to, to high school football. So a lot of drama goes around. Uh, you know, the guys coming out of there, obviously Dylan Riola, uh, his teammate, uh, officially goes to Nebraska um, as uh, he's their lone five-star. And they're one spot behind South Carolina, um, you know, in this year's in this year's cycle. But, a lot of eggs being put in that basket that uh, Raiola is going to be the future for them and, and lead them to the to the great heights that they, they hope they can get back to from, what, I guess the late 90s was the last time they were a powerhouse. They got a long way to go for that. But, I, I mean, credit where it's due. Like, they, they got it done, and they had – it really would have been a, a, a big miss for Nebraska just because whenever you have a guy that is that talented but has connections to your program like th- like he had to them – you got to take advantage, man. So it, it looked for a while like they were not going to be able to take advantage of that. It, it sounds like they just decided we, we're going to refuse to lose this one, do whatever it takes, and that's what they did. So they, they got a long way to go still, but Nebraska with some momentum. And, I mean, Rule can coach. like Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he's a program builder. Yeah, he, he'll he get that thing. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be college football playoff, but sure. he'll get that thing way up from where it is right now. I want to jump back into some of what Coach Beamer had to say yesterday. And Chris, Wes, and I were talking about this at the end of the last hour. We played a, a cut from, um, you know, Dabo talking about how they didn't have a great uh, recruiting from an in-state standpoint, only signing one guy compared to, what, six for South Carolina on this cycle. Uh, Beamer talked about that a little bit yesterday, particularly talking about the amount of offensive line talent that had been able to get out of the state over the past couple years. Uh, here's what he had to say about the tackles from the state of South Carolina. A lot. Um, you know, when I got hired three years ago this month, it, those three guys got put on my radar pretty quickly that there's a, you know, big-time offensive tackle in Greenville, there's a big-time offensive tackle in Dillon, and there's a big-time offensive tackle down in, in uh, at Woodland High School. And, you know, you immediately just start developing relationships and trying to get those guys on your campus. And you couldn't initially because it was a dead period when I got hired because of COVID. So got hired, and I think it was six months later or seven months later before guys could visit campus. But once they got on campus, they just fell in love with this place, and we fell in love with them and just continued to strengthen those relationships. And they're great players. So when you have great players, not just the three offensive tackles, but a lot of guys in our class – there's a lot of schools that were trying to get them to not come to South Carolina up until today. And uh, all those guys stayed strong. And, and a big part of that was this class and how close they are 
and how connected they became, which is really, really cool. Um, they've, they've, you, you didn't see a lot of uh, ups and downs and a guy decommitting and committing again and things like that. I mean, these guys committed and, and stayed that way and got tight and were at a bunch of our home games. And it's as close a signing class coming in of guys that, that I can remember. You know, they're very – they're very uh, focused, and there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Dante Reno, and and rightfully so. I mean, he's been a, done a great job of – he's like our best recruiter. And even yesterday, just talked to him on the way home. Make sure you call this guy. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. And and I didn't have to tell him a lot of things. They, they, they did it themselves and probably knew more about the recruiting class than I did. And objective number one, obviously, is to win your individual state for this year. South Carolina, obviously, heavily in their favor. And we'll see what happens – um, next year, no South or Clemson's already got a couple guys in state committed to them for next year's cycle. But and Wes brought this up in the last hour. You know, when Beamer was hired back in 2020, I mean, one of his first priorities was getting in there um, and establishing that relationship with Josiah Thompson. Which, thinking back, that was his freshman year of high school, and obviously that ends up paying off. You know, four years later, and not just from the position of offensive line, which again is very important to to the to the team as a whole, but. You know, Beamer establishes these good relationships with guys in state. And again, you have a results of what we had, um, you know, yesterday with pulling in nearly half your class of guys or close to it of guys, you know, from when within the state. Yeah. What, what's the thing called uh, when you get a degree, but you don't really get a degree from somewhere like an honorary um, graduate? Where yeah. They, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Dante is an honorary in state recruit. Like uh, six and a half guys from South because Carolina. Because he's visited there. here so often, I think, because th- those guys were so tight-knit. And, you know, Dante, I think they had a lot of Saturday football games up there. So he was not able to get to as many games as he probably wanted to. But for a guy who was from, you know, a pretty good distance from Columbia, he got down here a ton during the off season, made it just made it a priority to try to visit South Carolina when they were having events in order to kind of just be that that person in the ear of other prospects. And, you know, you, you look back, Josiah, Cam, Mazio, the, these guys were on South Carolina's campus, I mean, constantly during the last, I would say, probably two years, year and a half. And so I, I think that, that obviously before they were committed, it put South Carolina in a firm position to land those commitments. But then once they were committed, for one, it, it only sort of uh, strengthened their commitment level to South Carolina. Um, Mazio did have a little couple months there where he went and put on orange shirts. But <laughs> for the most part, they were very locked in to South Carolina. I would say for the majority of the process – and that only served, in my opinion, to help get other players interested in South Carolina as well. I'm going to play to the audience a little bit and, and kind of push back on something Dabo said, though. So he's right that they did try to recruit Blake Franks, Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson. They didn't offer Mazio Bennett. So it's not like they just didn't make an effort, right? And, and the other was Bray Staley, who they offered but didn't take. And so he ended up – Bray didn't have an offer from South Carolina. Should have, right, because he ended up getting one. And then and then Tennessee ended up getting him. Uh, but with the offensive linemen, something Dabo mentioned was, hey, sometimes guys grow up rooting for the other team in the state. But, man, if you look, like, Xavier, so did Xavier Thomas. 
you know, and Clemson got him. Amari Adams, who's committed to Clemson now. He's a Gamecock family. They're committed to Clemson. So, you know, to me, I mean, does that play in? Sure. For some guys more than others. But ultimately, I mean, you've seen kids trade in their colors for another when it comes time to go to an actual school, you know? I mean, who, who was that linebacker back in the day that went to Bama and he was from Auburn? It was like this big, big deal. Y'all know, y'all both know who I'm talking about, but we can't think of it. I mean, that that kind of thing happens, right? Yep. Now, your your allegiance when you grow up, that can play in. If you have a dream school, if you grew up a fan of a school. But you see guys go to the rivals sometimes. So the way I look at it, guys, is that, frankly, on those particular guys, the offensive linemen, I mean, South Carolina just did a better job with it. And if you look up in Clemson, they have a new O-line coach. And, you know, the recruiting piece was, I think, a part of that. And they bring in a really good recruiter in Matt Luke. So uh, I don't think it was as much that they grew up Gamecocks or whatever it may have been. I think it was just more they just did a really good job recruiting those guys. Yeah, I think definitely with Blake and, and Cam. You know, J- Josiah, I think, was going to be tough for anybody yes. to to ultimately land. Alab- I thought I always thought Alabama was the one that South Con was ultimately going to have to worry about just yep. because it was Alabama. And I, I thought Alabama may have the cachet to possibly land him. There, there were times, and you know what, thinking back on his recruitment, there was an early point where Georgia, I, I thought, was going to be able to make some noise with Josiah Thompson. But Clemson, I, I never thought was really going to be much of a factor in that race. Blake Franks, I, I thought that was probably pretty fun for South Carolina to just go into Greenville and and beat Clemson on a guy that they had offered. And, you know, they can say what they want, but they, you know, they were going after him. They were prioritizing him. So I, I think that was obviously a nice win. And here, here's the thing, to get, not to just completely repeat myself from the other day, but if you have a chance, much like let's talk about Dylan Raiola, if you're Nebraska, Take advantage of this guy that has these ties to your school. I was talking about how important it is to recruit upper-level tackles out of high school. Well, when you have these three offensive linemen in your state, if you're South Carolina, it is imperative that you take advantage of it by landing them. So do you always do you get a little in-state boost with a lot of guys in that even just the simple fact of it's easy for them to get to your campus? That matters. And South Carolina took advantage of that by getting these guys on campus time and time and time again. So, you know, kudos to them. You know, Lonnie Teasley, Sam Surbay, uh, Greg Atkins, Taylor Edwards, all those guys are heavily involved. Uh, it, they kind of team recruit on the offensive line. All those guys are very, very involved in that. And so they did a good job of closing those guys out despite the fact that they could have gone anywhere in, in a couple of cases. You know, Josiah Thompson, he could have called up any school in the country. I feel like, and they would have been like, yeah, we'd love to have you. And so I think taking advantage of having those guys in state is very important. We heard more from Coach Beamer. spoke about a number of things yesterday, including player retention, how important that is to focus on uh, this time of year as well. We'll hear what he had to say about that. Also, don't forget, we have another 12 Days of Christmas promo coming up a little bit later on. So keep it locked right here on the game for your next opportunity to win something. Thanks to our friends over at Griffin Pools and Spas. We'll be right back. The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game and the 107.5. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs 
Tyler Head, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell along with you on this Thursday morning. I want to remind you, before Christmas gets here, men's basketball going to squeeze in one more game tomorrow night as they take on Elon. Tip-off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage can be heard right here on the game starting at 5.30 as the fighting quarter zips have the opportunity to tie their win total from a season ago if they pick up a victory coming up tomorrow night. Diving back into what Coach Beamer had to say yesterday and talking to the media, talked for a full hour, hit on a lot of different things over the course of that hour. Obviously, the main focus was on early signing day, talking about guys coming in from the transfer portal as well. But one thing that shouldn't be overlooked is the player retention. And Wes and I talked about this a little bit in the last hour that, you know, for guys that Beamer has recruited out of high school, for the most part, they have a pretty good track record of keeping those guys um, on the team and not letting too many of them slip out through the transfer portal. Obviously, Xavier McLeod a couple of months back, a little bit of a different situation there. But uh, South Carolina, from that standpoint, has done a pretty decent job at player retention. And Beamer spoke about that yesterday as well. It's been huge. Um, you know, kudos to um, our fan base, kudos to our administration, kudos to the Garnet Trust uh, for all they've done, you know, to be able to help uh, help our guys in so many ways as well. But that's where it starts, you know. Recruiting class obviously is great, but you got to be able to keep your roster intact. And, and the teams, I think it's proven, the teams that are able to keep their roster intact year to year have an advantage going into the next season just because it's not starting over in so many ways so it's been huge for us that's not something Mike that we just the end of the regular season happens and then it's automatically we just start uh, trying to keep our roster intact I mean to me that's something that you're doing 365 days a year Uh, this this program is about relationships and honesty and trust and having conversations with guys and building relationships throughout the season and guys have expressed to us that they want to be here and um and I appreciate that. And a lot of guys, you know, guys like Boogie and Tonka that I didn't recruit. TJ, you know, was was committed to the previous staff when I got hired. Those guys have all stayed. And, and uh, you know, being able to keep, keep that group intact and then being able to add great players to it and then being able to attract talented transfers that we've been able to bring in as well. Uh, it's a great, you know, combination of things and, and something that we're excited about. And you realize that's part of it. You know, Steve was just in my office, and I think I saw it on the screen that it's like, is it? How many, 1,800, 1,400, something crazy number of guys that are in the portal, just FBS schools. I mean, it's, I didn't realize it was that many. I mean, it's just so many people in the portal. So you realize that you're going to lose some for different reasons, no matter what. Some that are expected, some that are surprises. Uh, I hope we don't, but we may lose some more. You know, I hope we don't, but you, you never, you know, you, you realize it's just part of it, but you've got to keep your crew core group intact and then being able to, you know, we're an attractive place to a lot of people. People want to be a part of this program. That's evident today, and uh, that, that will continue to be evident going forward as well between now and when the portal closes here in a couple of weeks. How how do you keep your roster together in twenty twenty three? What a loaded question that is. I mean, ser- like I've yeah, just been sitting hard. here and thinking about this. Yeah. What what can be done to? I I mean, they they kept some guys. Obviously, they kept a lot of core players in, at South Carolina that I, I think were heavily considering other options, and, and so that's to be commended. And, you know, I, I think, obviously, Beamer said it, it's multifaceted as far as why they stayed. But just in general, like, this is not a South Carolina issue. This is an everywhere issue. And, you know, 
I, I like the fact that the players have been given some power in this thing in terms of where they play and where they go and, and their own lives. But at the same time, I've talked about this too, the The whole reason that you are able to create the market that you are able to create is because of the fans. And you, you just you don't want to get this thing to the point that you are turning off the fans who create this massive market that then allows you to make this NIL money and, and all these different things that go along with it. So I I don't know what the answer is, uh, you know, because so- South Carolina even doing, Chris, we track this stuff behind the scenes, a phenomenal job actually compared to what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Even then, you're still looking at, you know, replacing a Juice Wells, mm-hmm. replacing a Jalen Nichols. A lot of the transfers, frankly, were just guys moving on to other places where they can play. But there there are some guys that have hit the portal. There may be others, as Beamer said. There may be other guys that hit the portal. Sure. There have been guys that have hit the portal that you could have used next year. Mm-hmm. And this is happening across the entire country. I, I know on an individual basis, it is the player's decision. But I do wonder how college football as a whole can find a way to ease this total roster transformation every year. If South Carolina had won nine games, ten games, whatever, and the transfer situation still was what it has been, that would still actually be a decent outcome because this is this has been the most extreme year in the Portal West. This is a year where you have a, a starting quarterback go 11-1 and one and transfer where you have a, a Oklahoma's quarterback transfer again, um, where it started to bleed over to even a program like Georgia, where you got where you have guys who were big-time recruits or guys that would have factored in next year, guys that have factored in that we would have liked to keep, move on to other schools. We haven't seen that as much in the past, so it's gotten more and more extreme. It's also getting more – I mean, everything has tilted so far toward the players. I, I'm with you. I, I have been – NCAA was so anti-player at the beginning, anti-student athlete, that once the dam broke, it is it has been so extreme and it's just going farther and farther in that direction. So now, as of as of this moment, you can free transfer as many times as you want because of the TRO. Now that may change, but something does have to give here because, you know, we were talking about this off air yesterday, and I think you brought this point up. If you like it used to be when you signed a high school guy, you you would have him for three or four years. Now he could he could transfer. That that was kind of rare. That's obviously gone the other direction. But like in pro sports, if you had if you sign a guy to a three year deal, you have him for three years unless he gets traded or something weird happens, and you can put a guy on IR. You know things like that. In college football, you sign a guy to a scholarship agreement. You basically now, right now, you have him for one year, maybe, and then it's just kind of a so like everybody's on this series of one year contracts, and so it does make it very, very hard to manage your roster. Then you dive into individual positions, like what's going on with quarterback at South Carolina. Hard for them to get quarterback depth because every quality, almost every quality quarterback that's out there in the portal, a wants to play, b nil factors in, right. And then you also have to know, hey, if this guy comes in for a year, 
and we make a commitment to him, he might leave after next year if he doesn't win the job, especially if he's a grad transfer. So it, it really does make it very, very difficult to manage your roster, and it's happening really everywhere, not just here. Yeah, everybody's looking for sustainability. I think that's a very important word moving forward in college football, sustainability in terms of NIL. Can you find a way to make this sustainable where you're not just saying, hey, boosters, we we need more. We need more money to build this roster and sustainability just year over year for your roster. And, you know, again, some transfers are absolutely healthy. Some transfers are going to help and are going to happen regardless. But if, you know, I, I just, I don't know how, I don't want to be dramatic about it. Like I, I was about to say, I don't know how much longer college football can last like this. That's over the top. But at some point, I think there has to be something put in place to help solidify these rosters a little bit more from year to year. Absolutely. Uh, we'll take a look around the rest of college football in the SEC. Hugh Freeze had some interesting things to say coming away from signing day and uh, what the last couple of days leading up to it were like out there on the plains. We'll hear from him coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game and the 107.5 The Game app. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you. We'll hear from Hugh Freeze in just a moment. But first, it's time for yet another 12 days of Christmas giveaway. Thanks to our friends over at Griffin Pools and Spas. The 12 Days of Christmas on the game is sponsored by Griffin Pools and Spa. Here's what Santa has right now. Have a pair of tickets to the women's basketball game against Mississippi State. Gave away the men's tickets a couple of hours ago. Women taking on Mississippi State on January the 7th. Caller number 8 right now, 404-6100-803-404-6100. Win yourself a pair of tickets to the women's game against Mississippi State on January the 7th. I mentioned Hugh Freeze uh, speaking to the media yesterday. and He looked probably about as exhausted as any coach around the country after early signing day, but he spoke about teams giving last-night efforts when it comes to pulling recruits. I've talked about K.J. Bolden and him ultimately going to Georgia, Auburn in the mix until very late there, but here's what Hugh Freeze had to say yesterday about those efforts from some other teams around the country. Uh, it was both. I mean, you can't. It, listen, last night it was... Uh, there's some schools in this conference that uh, they 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 believe in last night efforts, and um, and what you know you gotta you gotta fight and you gotta hold on and you gotta stay up all night and play video games and do stuff that's out of my comfort zone and um, but you you just you know there was there was some late night pushes and we won held on some and won one and lost one and um people in this conference are good at what they do and um I don't always like what is done but it's uh it's it's you know you got to just you got to have plans and you got to fight for it and um but it was both i mean it's you got to try to hold on to your good ones and 
all of yours and then trying to win a few battles at the end on some some kids that are undecided. Chris, is Hugh Freeze really trying to lead us to believe that he doesn't and his staff doesn't try last night efforts on prospects committed to other schools? I guess. Too? I guess. Like what what was the what was the point of that? I guess a little salt about losing KJ Bolden. Now KJ was committed. But he to was FSU. committed to another school. He's committed to another school, but they felt like they had him. Right? That was referenced. I, don't, I can't remember if it was in that soundbite or a different one during the day. He, he said, "You know, they." He heard, "Hey, I'm coming." I mean, honestly, like KJ Bolden, I think he told a few different coaches he was coming. This happens. Hugh Freeze knows that. He's he's been in the SEC before this. He's been on the other end of that. He's been I'm on the other sure. end of that. I, the, my favorite part about that was people playing that soundbite and then putting up his old tweet from Ole Miss. If you have um, complaints or, or inquiries at Ole Miss, compliance at Ole Miss edu. Yeah, people were just it, sending that to him. What video games do we think he was playing with the recruits? Like Call of Duty, Fortnite, Fortnite, maybe some Madden. Yeah, he's like, I I don't know what buttons to press. You gonna come to Auburn or what? It's a good negative recruiting pitch now against Hugh Freeze to tell all the recruits he doesn't like playing video games with you. I know, right? The uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I guess I get like it's kind of it's kind of like when a coach is is freshly defeated in a game and they just kind of say some stuff where it's it's just more emotions talking yeah. than anything, yeah. and then after the fact you're like, yeah, you just lost. It is what it is. But I, I'm like, does he want us to feel sorry for him for lo- losing guys at the that this was not. And maybe he was talking about other guys, too. I don't know. But Bolden was not some long-time Auburn <laughs> commit. They were trying to do the very same thing. So, some schools battle till the end. What? Every every school better be battling they, to the end. They actually got they got an offensive lineman that they were battling Alabama and Florida for. Edwin Favor. Favor Edwin. Well, that's what he said, that they won one of them and lost another one. Yeah, but, like, he battled for that one. So are you not one of those schools? Well, look, Hugh Freeze has a history of saying things that in hindsight may not have been the best thing to say. So that's kind of – it kind of falls in line with it. Like, It just came off, like, I don't know, a little whiny. Which, by the way, they signed a top-ten class. Like, they put together a great class. A good class at the end of the day. Great class. Very happy about that. Um and like you said, it, it seemed like with Bolden, it came down to Georgia and Florida State more than anything else. And, I mean, yeah, Auburn was like number three, but I don't think they were in the mix at the very end. At least it didn't seem that way. I mean, th- there was not at the end. At the end, the expectation was he was going to Georgia. But there was a time where they felt like they had an opportunity to flip him. So, yeah, odd, yeah. odd comments, I thought. So, speaking of Auburn, you know, obviously, Jalewis Solomon – briefly committed to Auburn, but even you guys said that that was something to keep an eye on. And, and Beamer kind of briefly mentioned it yesterday when talking about Solomon. Like, even after he committed, like, he apparently texted Beamer at, like, 2 in the morning, like, hey, don't stop recruiting me, which, of course, we know that coaches never stop recruiting guys even when they commit other places. But that's um, that was an interesting little nugget that I thought he gave away there that, like, even Solomon, once committed to Auburn, was even doubting things from the get-go there, it seemed like. Yeah, and I think we, frankly, heard that and, and probably said it pretty quickly after. Not that specific, but that, hey, he wants to still be recruited by South Carolina, and it, it turned out to 
to work out. You know, and then Auburn kept recruiting him too after after that flip as well. So the, all those things happen. Now I, I will say this: um, you know, him him saying, "Hey, keep recruiting me," that is important because you would like to think as a fan, like, oh, yeah, the school is going to keep recruiting all these guys, but you you can't recruit a guy forever. Like, if if sure. they're not answering, if they're not being, if they're not reciprocating the interest, you can't waste your time forever. There's only so much time in the day. Um, like, sometimes we forget these are these are just regular human beings at the end of the day. Like, we like to think of them like robots or something. They're regular human beings. There's only so much time. So you have to prioritize your time. So I, I think him saying that, that meant, ple- like, please don't just give up at, at this point. And South Carolina, man, if I remember correctly, they actually felt pretty good about where they stood pretty quickly after the Auburn commitment. And th- this is a guy, I-, I always am curious to hear the little tidbits you get out of these press conferences. And – Beamer confirmed Chris Solomon definitely starting out as a cornerback, which I think we saw him as somebody who could kind of play anywhere in the secondary. I still believe that, but him starting out at cornerback, I'll be very curious to see how quickly he can just get out there and be ready to play. I don't want to say my only question about this situation is when, when he enrolls, but it does play a big role in it. If, if, Solomon is one of the few guys that's enrolling in the summer as opposed to in January going through winter workouts, going through spring practice. And so if he were a January enrollee, I ooh, I, I think he would have a great, great shot to play a lot early. Now, I still think he has that. And we've seen some guys, even in this new era of it being very much in vogue, very popular to enroll early, we've still seen some summer enrollees come in I mean, great example, Nicky Minwari D.Q. Smith is true freshman. They enrolled in the summer. They were able to come in and play a lot. I think Solomon's made of the right stuff and is talented enough to where, even though he's going to be getting a later start than some others, I think he's still got a great shot to play early. Absolutely. Come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Was an interesting day down in Gainesville on early signing day. We'll hear from Billy Napier and what he had to say to wrap things up here on the game in the 107.5 The Game app. I mean, I think you see it all across the country, right? I mean, I think down to the finish line, uh, there's an element to recruiting. It's a battle, right? There's no question about it. You know, we're here today to talk about the players that we got, and we got some elite players, right? We got elite people. We got leaders. We we have young men that were up for the challenge, right? Some weren't up for the challenge, right? But this group, okay, that we're here to talk about today and celebrate today decided, hey, you know what? I believe in what's happening there. Uh, I'm up for the challenge. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you for a few more minutes. Thanks for listening here on the game as well as the 107.5 The Game app. If you've not downloaded the 107.5 The Game app, just head to the App Store, search for it, download it, and take the game wherever you go, especially as you're getting ready to travel for the holidays. You can listen to us across the state, across the country, across the world on the 107.5 The Game app. That, of course, was the voice of Billy Napier, head coach of the Florida Gators, on what was a nerve-wracking early signing day for folks down in Gainesville. Uh, It looked like Florida was positioned to maybe have a top-five class 
at the beginning of this week, they had a quite a few guys uh, decide to flip their commitments as the week went along. It looked like they were potentially going to end up outside the top 20 yesterday. Did end up signing LJ McRae and um, uh, DJ uh, Lagway late in the day, two five-stars there at defensive line and quarterback. So safe face a little bit, but this class was expected to be so much better for Florida. Still ended up in the top 20, but not as good as people down there hoped it was going to be. Not as much depth as they would have hoped. And I think some of the transfer, while they have some, I think, transfer portal acquisitions that are going to help them, like Joey Slackman from Penn, who was mm-hmm. the maybe the top defensive tackle, maybe just generally coming out of the transfer portal this year. Like, I, I think we, we should maybe not get confused. This is not a horrific class for Florida. It's not. Um, and I think because they were able to land those two five stars, that's one of them being a quarterback mm-hmm. who's really, really good. And then L.J. McCray, as you said. But, I mean, Tyler, you look at a lot of teams in the top 10, top 15. Oregon didn't sign a five-star. Oklahoma and Notre Dame have one. LSU does not have one. FSU doesn't have one. Tennessee has just one. Penn State, Michigan, Southern Cal, Ole Miss, they don't have one. Right? So, South Carolina has two. You know, Florida has two. So, you need those types of players. And especially if you can get one that's a quarterback, that's a good sign. But I think... The issue with Florida is just what you said, the disconnect between, hey, at one point they were riding high, looked like they were going to have an elite top-to-bottom class that has not turned out that way. So some disappointing losses for them, not quite as much depth as you'd like in the class. And I think, you know, like I pointed out, Ole Miss didn't have a five-star in their class that's ranked number 20 right ahead of right behind South Carolina. Ole Miss has done great work in the portal. Sure. Florida, not as splashy in the portal, which has been another frustration down there. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the the knock on Dan Mullen and why his tenure ended at Florida a couple seasons ago was he was outright, you know, talking about not caring about recruiting in season, which, you know, if you want to be successful, especially in the SEC, ABC always be recruiting. Um, <laughs> and that ended up being his downfall there. And Billy Napier was brought in with a completely different mindset of, hey, we're going to focus on recruiting. We're going to get up there with the – Georgia and Alabamas of the world. And, and, you know, like I said a moment ago, they were positioned to maybe have the top three class in the country going into the week. And you see guys leaving early on the week at the defensive line and defensive back that ended up dropping them down to 16, which, again, not terrible by any means, especially when you look at the grand scheme of things from a national standpoint, but not where people thought it was going to be. And especially when you're trying to close that gap on the likes of Georgia, on the likes of Alabama, on the likes of LSU, they were expecting a lot more. And, uh, you know, we talk about this being such a pivotal season for Billy Napier down there in Gainesville, just looking at their schedule and how daunting that's going to be. Not a, not a great way to get started uh, with, um, you know, losing so many guys there at the last minute and over the course of the last month, really. They had so many guys jump ship and uh, commit elsewhere. Did, did you see Dan Mullins? Social media post with the margarita on the beach. I did. As he continues to receive his uh, buyout from Florida that uh, is expected to go uh, for I don't know how many more years, but he's still, got a, he's still got a lot more money coming in. That was a good post. He's like, I'm not worried about it. Not my problem. I'm just hanging out on TV. Not even hanging out on TV. Right now I'm on the beach. Sure. Maybe. You know, probably not actually on the beach, but in theory. In his mind. In his mind with a margarita, just relaxing. And, and somebody posted a... Uh, can't properly credit it, but they posted on social media like a side-by-side comparison. They were like, hey, here's Dan Mullen who hated recruiting. Yep. Here's where his classes were. Billy Napier, who was going to solve all the recruiting problems, here's where he went. And he's actually behind on paper. And and that's the thing. Like, Florida, as a brand, can pull a lot of guys without a lot of fanfare. But you need somebody that's going to be hard-nosed, that's going to get them to that next level, into the top five, 
competings with the Georgias, the Alabamas, the LSUs, and stuff like that. Um, and Napier's been aggressive on the recruiting trail. Like, I think he's definitely bought into it a lot more than Mullen did. But like you said, even Mullen, you know, with, you know, one hand tied behind his back, pulling decent top 15 classes on a consistent basis. But, but again, you just haven't seen them take that next step, which they desperately need to. And obviously they're, you know, looking in the transfer portal too. But next year's such a pivotal year. We talked about how tough that month of November is going to be for Florida. And, uh, you know, Billy Napier's future ultimately kind of rides on what happens in 24. It does. Um, and, you know, th- again, the class, not as high, not as highly touted, not as highly thought of as they had hoped down there. Although, I mean, heck of a way to save face by getting DJ Lagway. Graham Mertz is back, yes. so that'll be fascinating. This is a must-win year, I think, for, for Billy Napier in Florida, so it'll be fascinating. You look around the rest, uh, Tyler, of the landscape in college football. Georgia has the number one class in the country right now, according to the own three team industry recruiting rankings Alabama right behind them yep so some some things have changed in this new NIL era as far as you know the five stars being a little bit more spread out some of the talent being a little bit more spread out but the the big dogs still getting it done Ohio State they have four or five stars in their class Bama Texas Miami's up there A&M Auburn that those teams the traditional powers they haven't exactly gone away in recruiting. They haven't, and you want to talk about Texas and Oklahoma riding waves of momentum coming to the SEC, Texas especially, obviously coming off of a uh, Big 12 championship, getting set to play for a national championship here in a couple weeks in the college football playoffs, signing a top-five class, Oklahoma, not too far behind them in eighth. Like, you know, I, I think we all expect or, or all have this idea that those two teams are going to get reality checked when they get in the SEC, but they're going to come in and they're going to be serious contenders, maybe not right away for spots number one and two, but they'll be serious top-five teams in the SEC right out of the gate. I think so, and, and they're going to recruit that way. You know, I mean, Texas is, is up there right now. They have... 22 commits, three of them are five stars. They've been really, really good. And Oklahoma, you know, they'll be talented. They they look like a program on the rise, too. I think they're ranked eighth now in the team recruiting rankings. Absolutely. We'll have plenty more to talk about from what Coach Beamer said yesterday on tomorrow's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with myself and Terry Ford coming up next here on The Game, the 107.5 The Game app, and coming soon, January 2nd, The Game TV. Stay tuned for more details. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.